Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Female Footballers Podcast. My name is Cassie Gray. I'm your host. Today, I am joined by our staff. We have Rachel Thomas, Haley Lucas, Kara Sclercio, and Luis Arsenault. And we are going to be discussing the topic of emotional abuse within sport. This is a heavy conversation, but it's also just a conversation. We are being incredibly candid. We are not here to give advice. We're just simply having a conversation. Um, around a topic that is difficult to discuss, difficult to define, and we do not have answers for you today. It's simply just um, a discussion that comes up a lot within what we do, and um, we have, you know, lots of perspectives from coaches' perspectives, parent perspectives, and player perspectives. So without further ado, hello, ladies. Please go ahead and unmute and say hello. Hi. Hello. Hey. All right, so this topic is, um, it's one that comes up a lot within what we do. Um, being a mental skills um, organization that, where we provide mental skills training for athletes, coaches, and parents, um, the topic of emotional abuse comes up without that term a lot. So we are referenced of a coach did this, or a parent said this, or a player is doing this. It's never under the context of the word emotional abuse but it kind of falls under that umbrella sometimes. So we wanted to discuss um, just a very, like I said, a very vague way of discussing this without giving you um, answers and advice because we are not the experts on emotional abuse. Um, but we find this a very fascinating topic that we think you could relate to a lot and possibly get some good um, nuggets of information from. So to start, um, according to the Virago Project, uh, they define emotional abuse as a pattern of deliberate non-contact behavior by a person with a critical relationship role that is potentially harmful, including spurning, terrorizing, exploiting, and denying emotional responsiveness and potentially harming a person's effective behavioral, cognitive, or physical well-being. That's a mouthful. Um, I think we want to start with this topic of um, the de definition of emotional abuse. That is one interpretation. I'm gonna throw it out there to you guys. Do you feel that that is an accurate definition? Do you feel you have a definition? Do you feel like it's hard to define? What are your thoughts around a definition of emotional abuse? Yeah, I think it's a hard topic. I think like you mentioned earlier, it, it is, one that is a big umbrella and it encompasses a lot of various aspects and i think the idea of you know today and, and it's something that we mentioned earlier but it was it's really kind of like normalizing these conversations and recognizing that we're able to discuss them without having a firm opinion and firm um definition of what the word means because as we're candid and as we're exploring these topics, it helps us grow. So for me, that definition, I think there's a lot of content, a lot of good nuggets in there and things that like resonate with me, but is it the end all be all definition? I'm not sure. And this is kind of like why we're here and chatting about this today to really kind of explore this topic and, and grow together as a whole. Absolutely. I think it also leaves out a key part of it um, that has to do with like manipulation and control. And I think within sport, at least, um, we talk about like coaches, parents, or other people, um, potentially 
being emotionally abusive, the intent is to control a situation or control or manipulate behavior um, to change what that person is doing, often through means that are not traditionally um, productive or thought of as well, such as criticizing, embarrassing, or shaming someone. But I do think that um, that control element is a large piece and it's hard to have one definition because everyone will react differently to those types of um, behaviors or strategies, I guess you could put it, um, to exert that control. Absolutely, yeah, that's a great point. There's nothing in that definition about manipulation, right? I don't see it. Other thoughts? This, um, go ahead, Kira. Yeah, I think I think when it comes to working, when you're in a space of being in control, um, as a coach, I feel like uh, it's really important to recognize that we do have uh, power above the young athletes we're working with. And so taking the time to really think about um, what they're feeling and being, being mindful of the words that come out of our mouth is is very key and how that's going to affect them. Absolutely. Yeah, I think that that quote, you know, with with great power comes great responsibility and um, or with power comes great responsibility is so key for the coach here and also um, and the parent, because just of the pecking order, you have control and power over your own child. But I think one thing that's really uh, they we really need to consider is the emotional state of the player, the parent and, and the coach and how that um, can, which is coming back to why it's so difficult to define this, because it may be that one day you're at a practice and your coach says something, something to you that you interpret as, as an emotional abuse. It was, you know, it scarred you or whatever. But on another day, maybe it wouldn't have been just because of the mental state you were in, or the coach was in a certain mental state and said something in a way that maybe they don't normally do that, you know, and not to, I'm not validating any form of it, but I think that's why it's so hard to define. And it's so just gray on like, was that like, that seemed to cross the line to me, but like, and then I, I think that's why it's so tricky to, to put you know, a definition, a solid definition down. Um, we know what physical abuse is. We know if someone hits someone or physical contact is physical abuse. We know sexual abuse. We, those are very clear, but emotional abuse is just harder to, um, to, to define that way for, for everybody to then understand like, oh yeah, that's what's happening. And this isn't correct. Um, and I think, I think Carrie, you talked about the intentions, you know, I think a lot of times the intentions behind certain, words or actions or behaviors is, is not necessarily wrong, but the, that action is wrong um, and how it's communicated to either the player or, or things like that. Um, the other thing I, I, I always think about this with, um, with my own kids and with, and all the kids I've coached and taught, and I'm, I'm sure you guys saw the, um, the Laurel Yanny thing that went around. Uh, this was like five years ago. It's a, it's an audio thing. So Google up Laurel Yanny, it'll come up and it's, you play it and half the people hear Laurel 
and half the people hear yammy. And some people hear both or they hear at first they hear Laurel and then they hear Yanni and you think those words aren't even close to each other. But when you listen to this, it's shocking because I hear Laurel every single time and Jeff hears Yanni every single time. And that's just one word, you know, in a situation that so it just reminds me of like the way we're receiving information is different. Every human receives information differently. And this goes back to like why it's so important that from the coach's perspective and parent perspective, you, you really need to have be in tune with your players and with your child and what, how things work for them and how they take information, process information and, and things like that. Um, so anyway, it's, it's, it's a fascinating piece of the hearing and then processing of a word that people are hearing completely different words. There was another thing that was similar that was visual that was a dress, I think. It was like, is this dress gold and white or black, something like that. And people saw completely different things. So again, I think it's like, that's why emotional abuse is so hard to put in a box because everybody's senses take things differently. Um, again, not to say that there isn't emotional abuse happening because there definitely is, but just that that's, this is why I think it's so challenging to define. Yeah, I think the reason this topic came up is um, as time has gone on in the last few years, um, we are looking at the mental side of sport more and we are trying to uh, understand it, um, put more language around it, help educate all involved within sport about it. And this is a topic that comes up and it is very, very tricky. Um, players, uh, more and more players are coming forward at the youth and collegiate levels and even at the professional levels explaining that they feel they've been emotionally abused. Coaches are pushing back or getting fired or, or even quitting because of um, not knowing what they're allowed to say, what they can say. They don't necessarily feel supported in how to help say the things they want to say. Parents are um, bypassing coaches and going to the board and the directors and attempting to slander, get coaches fired based on how they perceive the abuse that might be happening or whether or not it is abuse. Um, there's just so many instances of this going on. But when we talked about the definition, the one word in that specific definition that I read that struck me was the word deliberate. And it goes back to what you said, Rachel, with intention. Um, I don't know that, uh, I'm sure there are many, there are, I'm sure, coaches where there is deliberate, uh, deliberateness in, in what they're saying and wanting to get across something. But I also think there's many coaches um, who are not being deliberate at all. And they are just say, saying something in the heat of the moment and they are fired up and um, the intention is not to cause harm or um, emotional distress or anything like that. And so again, it goes that intention versus action is, is a huge part of this. Um, but I want to kind of veer more to a, a, another aspect of this. And it is um, a question for all of you guys. So we kind of tried to go through, you know, how the definition is um, not black and white, that it's hard. Uh, the other aspect of this I think is interesting is, um, do you feel like there this topic is discussed enough 
do you feel like there are supports from all angles for players, parents, and coaches around this topic? What do you guys think about that? I personally don't think that this topic is discussed enough because as you guys, the listeners can hear, there's not one solid definition. We have various opinions on these things. And, and when we're talking about subjects where there's a little bit of um, ambiguity, it kind of creates sometimes disagreement and people don't like when there's that gray space of exploring emotions because now you have to really look and reflect within yourself to kind of really discern what is your truth and what experiences you have associated with that so for me i think it's important for us to normalize these conversations so that we can just explore with no emotional tie to your absolute absolute opinion but with an open mind so that we can learn. Um, I don't personally think that there's very many resources out there. I mean, I'm sure there are. I've not really come across many of them as a coach that help define, discern, really, really um, explain and, and kind of explore these topics. So these are why this is why topics like these, when we're talking to you guys and, and kind of like bouncing ideas off each other are important because you get to learn and grow together. And it's not necessarily in a negative space, but in a place where we're going to receive and, um, and kind of come up with various perspectives. I also think that the term emotional abuse, because it is a serious issue, just like physical or sexual abuse is, I think people are also afraid to speak up and say that it's abuse. And I think knowing the definition of, of just the word abuse is important, which is to use something to badly affect or for a bad purpose or to misuse, which doesn't go to, that's a very general definition that could mean a very minor thing or something incredibly serious. So I think sometimes if we can separate our feelings in these discussions from the intensity of what emotional abuse can represent, I think it's a scale. There are very um, mild, if you can put it that way, because obviously how people feel is not always mild and it can feel incredibly intense for them, but it's a varying scale and different things can be emotional abuse. So I think we don't talk about it a lot for what, that reason. And we don't talk about um, these issues. And if we do, maybe we just don't define it as emotional abuse. And I think a big thing is maybe people don't feel that it is emotional abuse oftentimes when it very well could be. Yeah, it feels like they're, especially for the coaches, um, you know, Cass, you talked about being an educator, you know, we get a lot of trainings and workshops and, and conti continuing to add on especially in the last 15 years, social emotional learning. And if that's not incorporated into our youth sports and, and any sport and in our sports, then, then that's completely missing. And these coaches may just not even be aware and they were coached a certain way. And so then that's how they coach um, or, or how they don't coach, right? Like <laughs> when you when you have a coach that you really like, you emulate that stuff. And when there's something you're like, I'm never going to do that, like that coach, you know, or whatever it is, but there, um, I feel like that's the resource that is lacking. Um, just to give coaches and, and parents more perspective on like on child development and um, 
the social emotional needs at the different stages. And then specifically for female athletes, you know, we, we know that many, many of the sports, um, are, are, is a male dominated coaching industry. And, um, so then there's just that also, because I, I have never coached boys, um, on like specifically just boys. I've coached boys and girls together, but not just a boys only team. So I can't speak directly to that, but I would imagine that, um, the, some of the stuff, which probably needs to be changed as well, but there are some things that maybe are normal in that side that when you bring to the girl's side is not, um, does not translate well. Um, so I, you know, that's another thing to consider in terms of the resources for coaches, not necessarily that one, they need them. And two, they need to be, um, brought up in a way that shows why it's important, you know, and why it's going to make you a better coach to understand what the emotional, social needs are for the age group and the sex of the players that you're working with. I think awareness is really key. I think being an, being aware as humans that, you know, you've got your physical, your mental and your emotional pieces. And I think it's really, really key um, that as humans, we think about those things and how what we say affects people. And I think the more we talk about it, um, I think the more safe the space becomes. And if the space is safe to say how you feel, then we can work through some things that are, that are more difficult. And I think when it comes to topics as such, um, players who feel uh, uncomfortable in a situation, um, as a player, uh, it's hard to speak up. It's hard to talk. It's hard to say how you feel. And so I think just having a space that's safe and having the rapport with your players and thinking about the emotional side of the game, um, it's enlightening and it, it helps build that connection um, individually with your players and with your team. Absolutely. Um, it's, it's interesting. I think we all feel the same as far as it's not discussed enough that people are a little scared to discuss it. Um, and then when asked, you know, do you feel like there's enough resources? Most of you said no. Um, and again, because it's open to interpretation, I think the resources are gonna be skewed in different ways, depending on what you find. Um, like you mentioned, Rachel, um, I equate everything to being a teacher. I'm a teacher in my day job. I've been a teacher for 15 years. And um, all of my teacher education, I had to take classes on the actual subjects that I teach, which I can equate to the technical tactical side of sport, right? Like I have to know my stuff. I have to know my stats on different subjects. Um, just like I need to know how to teach, how to dribble and how to pass and how to shoot. Um, and then I also have to know the development of children and the age the appropriateness of the, the level of which I'm working. And that I had to take courses on um, and had tests for. And I think within our sport, there is not enough education for not just coaches, but for parents and players on this whole aspect. So as a coach, I've coached uh, at many different levels. I have coached boys. Um, I've done camps and clinics for a very long time. And um, I've never seen in my own experience the level that schools take and the education system takes to help teachers with 
that side of things. I have not seen that within sports. Now, does that mean that all teachers are great at social emotional learning? No, <laughs> not at all. I've seen a lot of bad teachers and a lot of teachers who don't say the right thing. So just because you're educated on it doesn't mean it's going to come out right every time either. But I think the point is there is more structure on the education side um, to help teachers with language and speaking with children. Um, whether or not they choose to use that is different, but there is it is part of our education. In coaching, I, I do not have my A license. My husband does. Um, I've gotten to see all the curriculum behind that. I've taken courses uh, within U.S. soccer and the United Soccer Coaches, and um, I have yet to see the same level in the coaching education courses and things and, and licensing that supports coaches so that they have language around this topic and how to deal with children at different ages. Um, that doesn't mean it doesn't exist. I just haven't personally seen it. But I also I often feel like the the brunt of this topic of emotional abuse gets put on the coaches. And I don't think a lot of conversation is around the parents and players. And I think that it's just as much my responsibility as a teacher to be able to communicate effectively to my parents and children in my classroom of what I'm seeing, but it's also their job to um, effectively interpret it in a way that, like you said, Haley, kind of differentiates, like taking the emotion out of it, which is very, very hard, right? And I think as a parent myself, it's when you see your child get screamed at or yelled at, you come to their defense and you want to support them. And I get that. But I also think there needs to be education for parents and players on how to effectively interpret and communicate what they're feeling in an appropriate way. Um, the appropriate way it would be to have a conversation, have a third party there. I think clubs need to have areas of support with organizations like us who are not involved in the club where we can come in and help support that because then it just becomes them against us. And then it goes to slandering character, whether it's you're slandering a coach's character, you're slandering a parent's character, or you're bad-mouthing a player, or you're considerably changing the trajectory of a player's uh, ability to get far within the sport because of it. There's so many scenarios that can happen with all this. So to me, it's more about educating all sides, not just one side. Um, and I think, um, there isn't anything like that. There's no education for parents on this. And most of the time parents are being educated by their club. And I think if you're a parent listening, you should be getting information from many different places, not just your own club. Uh, a great resource is soccer parenting. Um, I think that that's a great place to start. Um, but it is, it's, it's such a slippery, interesting slope. I know I said a lot, so does anyone have anything to say before I ask my next question? No. <laughs> um, I guess my next my next kind of question when it comes to all of this would be, um, you know, going forward, when we hear this topic, and let's say we'll 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 go through a little, maybe we'll go through each side. Let's start with coaches. Um, how do you feel coaches interpret this topic or feel about this topic um, in general? So in generalities, like how do you feel 
this topic affects coaches. Let's start there. Any thoughts? I think over the last few years, they're probably a little nervous when they heard, hear this term, um, but I don't know for sure. But the, um, I, I know there's also, you know, the, the generational stuff too. And so depending on where you are as a coach in your coaching career um, and how things were and oh, some, some get on the, like, if they hear that emotional abuse, oh, the players are just getting soft. Um, but also it's something that clearly is showing up at every level. So it is a systemic thing that needs to be addressed. Um, and to go back a little bit to what you said, Cassie, earlier, I think one thing that a coach can do to try to sort of set the tone is, is have that, you know, preseason meeting about like, these are the expectations and these are my, the expectations of me as a coach. And I know, I mean, we all can reflect on our, you know, oh, if that happened, I would do this, you know, but then when we're in the heat of the moment and it's, you know, a you know, whatever, a really close game and time's running out or whatever it is. And we're trying to do things. You get excited, you, you know, it may not come out perfectly. Um, so I just, I, I don't know. I don't know where I was going with that, but just that uh, coaches, I think are, are more aware of this term for sure, because it's been used the last few years um, and hopefully are starting to open their ears to understand why it's such a difficult thing to um, define and then reflect on their own coaching and how that is impacting um, the kids they're working with. And then really understanding developmental stages of the kids that they're working at. Because um, we all know that, you know, kids can have bad days and there's a lot of, there's so many things happening outside of them as a soccer player and, um, and just how to be in tune with that. Like you always say, Kira, self-awareness and understanding and connection to your players. Well, and I think as coaches, it's important to have conversations outside of just what we see, like the, the technical side or the tactical side of the game. I know with the coaches that I work with, we've started to have conversations with me working at female footballers, just conversations about the mental side of the game. And there's a lot of aha moments and creating really positive conversations between, um, between staffs. And I think when we start to do that, like Lou mentioned earlier, we all want to learn. We all want to grow as people. And a lot of the times just it, it just hasn't been discussed. And so if we start to discuss some things in a, like I said, a safe space where people aren't feeling fingers are being pointed and um, having to defend and deflect and all that good stuff or not so good stuff, it's um, it creates an area where people can learn and grow and start to maybe change some things within themselves is how they do things. I, I a hundred percent agree. And I think, um, I always, you know, I get a lot of, I feel like I get a lot of DMS and emails from parents of, you know, frustrated with coaches and I get defensive about it because I'm a teacher and I feel like I can equate that to the same thing. It's sort of like, it's always the teacher's fault and the teachers are horrible and it's the same. It's always the coach's fault. The coaches are horrible. There's a lot of amazing coaches, just so you know, just like there's a lot of amazing teachers and there's a bad rap because of the communication styles or the coaching styles. And I think, again, if you're a coach, when you're going to get a job at a club, 
pay attention to that club's philosophy. Make sure that the person that employs you, your director of coaching or your technical director, that you, you respect them and you respect their coaching philosophy within the club and that that philosophy is consistent. If it's not consistent and they don't, you don't feel like they have your back, it's going to be really hard when a parent comes at you with this type of term thrown out there because um, if, if the philosophy is consistent and you feel supported, that relates to a stronger culture within a club. And you wanna be in a club that you're working for that has a strong culture because culture and the mental side are completely connected. They're, they're a part of each other. And so I think one, make sure that you're not just taking a job for the money or for the convenience of where you live or some of those things really think about, you know, I, I know I think about that as a teacher, you know, I want to make sure I'm at a school where I feel supported by my principal and that the overall district is a district that I believe in what we're doing because they're all going to be slightly different. You know, a lot of clubs, you know, coin the term development, but they might not actually be practicing development. They might have the winning at all costs mentality underneath all of that. And so it's important that you spend time really focusing on that. Also, um, know that like if you're with a, a club and a DOC that has a strong philosophy and you feel supported, when you're getting accused of something, you have somebody else that's there that's going to be a part of that conversation. As a coach, I think it's important when a parent wants to discuss something with you, have a, a superior with you. I know as a teacher, when this something like this happens, I can always say to my principal, well, you come sit in on a meeting with me and then you don't feel like you're being attacked. There's a third party there who's there for both sides, who's wanting to make sure that some progress is made. Um, but also as a coach, I mean, I also can see the other side. I, I've seen a lot of teachers who don't implement social emotional learning. And I do think there's a lot of coaches that need to really do their homework and realize that the mental side of the game is a part of the game. And it's no longer my way or the highway. We are all coaches with our own styles. That's allowed. But the difference is you have a set of standards that you have to meet just like I do as a teacher. And there is there are ways to get those standards across in a positive way where you can really affect kids. And, but it's your job to differentiate your coaching. You know, as a teacher, I have to differentiate my instruction to meet the needs of all the kids in the class. I can't expect them all to do things my way. They're, they're, there's all different learning styles and, and different ways of, of getting that across. And I think it's our job as coaches to make sure that we are hitting all the needs of the different players, regardless if we like that player or we understand that player. There's many kids in my classroom I don't get. I don't understand. They have a lot going on at home or a lot going on in their brain. Um, but it's still my job to try to effectively help them. And I think that sometimes we do come across coaches where they're like, I don't know how to help that kid. They just need to do what I'm saying. But it's like, sometimes we have to go above and beyond for those different kids. And we, when we do, we can often see that positive, um, that positive change in them. Um, but it is, it's a lot of patience and you do want to feel supported by your club. So anybody else thoughts on the coaches side of this? It's a really slippery slope. Um, I know a lot of coaches who have quit. They have quit coaching club. They have quit coaching collegiately because of this topic. They don't know that, that they're going to ever say the right thing. They feel like everything they say is being interpreted wrong. Um, 
it's hard. It's there's we're not giving you an answer. We're not giving you um, what you can and can't do. We're just simply saying we we understand that it is hard. It's very hard to be a coach. Coaches are not given grace. They're not allowed to make mistakes, unfortunately. And I think that sucks um, because nobody's perfect. You know, as a teacher, I'm going to say the wrong thing some days. I'm going to try something in a lesson and it's going to go poorly. And, you know, that's, we all need to have grace that we're all here to learn, even the coaches. Um, let's veer into the parents. Oh, Lou, did you want to add to that? Yeah, I just wanted to add, like, when I read something one time and it's like, when you are building trust and establishing trust, when you do things as a coach, it's kind of like you're putting, like, little amounts of transaction into the bank, right? You're, you're doing, you're building, you're doing the right things for the player, by the player, by the parents, by the club, um, really living out the philosophy and doing some of the right things. And the more you build almost that like reserve in a bank, and I'm using that analogy so it gets me a picture here, when something that you say as a coach or as a parent that is not necessarily um, like, I, I don't know if I want to use the word appropriate, but that comes across in the wrong way you've already established your credibility and your kind of like reputation. So that way the transaction, there's some money quote that comes out of the bank, but your, your balance is still super high. So you want to make sure you're creating an environment where you're building on trust and you're doing these things and you're doing the right things that helps enable you to build up your credibility so that when one little thing happens, people are like, they have more tolerance and understanding because at the end of the day, like you mentioned, Cassie, we are human and we are going to make mistakes. So recognizing to normalize that too, and not stating that we're perfect and that everything that we do goes. But on the flip side of that, as a coach, it's important for us to recognize that when we do mess up, to own up to those and to have a discussion around them. So that way we can do right by the kids and whoever we impacted. Absolutely. Um, veering into the parent side of this, because I feel like I often hear from the parents um, about this. And something you just said, Lou, that I thought was an interesting was, you know, like, and I said the same thing, we're all going to make mistakes as coaches. Keep in mind the definition we gave at the beginning of this podcast on emotional abuse, the, one of the first words is emotional abuse is a pattern. It's a pattern. It's not a one-time thing. Um, it's often equated to bullying. And even the word bullying is consistently happening. It's not a one-time thing. A bully doesn't do something once and we call it a bully. Um, a bully, it's consistently coming back to hurt somebody, you know, and I think emotional abuse is a pattern of deliberate behavior that is harmful. And I think um, that's one part when we talk about educating parents, I see this in teaching as well. The word bully gets thrown around like it's like, it's the word, it's such a buzzword all the time. And parents will come in after one in, you know, fight with a kid on another kid that's not even physical and they'll say that kid's bullying my kid and it's like well first of all let's know the definition of the term bullying because that's inaccurate this has happened one time and I think this is happening in soccer too where parents are saying my child's being emotionally abused and it might have been they got yelled at one time because that's happening too now we're not saying that the the true pattern of deliberate harmful behavior is not happening. That is also happening. And we're hearing from parents on that regard too. And they are correct um, where it's a pattern and it's happening consistently. But just as a parent, you need to educate yourself a little bit. And I think, again, this is hard because there's a lot of different definitions out there. So it's hard to find that. But um, the other part of this that's interesting with parents, in my opinion, I wanna know your guys' opinion is, um, 
we've done a few different parent ed clinics and things like that. And um, the notion of advocating for your child comes up a lot and how we advocate is different as parents. Everybody advocates differently and how they choose to advocate is different. And so um, when it comes to emotional abuse, what do you guys see, think, um, or often hear when it comes to emotional abuse from a parent perspective? And I know not all of us are parents and that's totally fine. Don't all jump at once. <laughs> I'm happy to start here if you'd like, because I am a parent as well. But, uh, well, I'm not a parent, but I've been around a lot of parents, um, working with a lot of different kids. And I, what I've learned is like, I have found some, I've had some of the best conversations I've, I've had uh, learning about children through communication with parents. Um, but I think it's really important that when those topics come up and when those conversations occur, recognizing that we're not, in most parts, like with most coaches, intentions are really, really positive and wanting to do what's right by their kid, maybe not having the right answers for that. Um, but going into the conversation, not not going against each other, but recognizing that we're there for the benefit of, of the kid. And when you can be vulnerable with each other and recognize, hey, you know what? I've said before, I might not have the right answers. Like I might not have the right answers. Um, I don't know what's gonna happen in the future with your player. But what I can say is this is where I'm going with it. And this is where, what the goal is. This is what I'm looking to get out of them. And if they came home, sometimes kids come home upset. They come up, they come home feeling certain ways because we do have to push them um, into some, like they're pushed in ways during sports that are a little bit uncomfortable sometimes. And it's how we teach them to navigate through that, which is the tools and the lessons that are so important. And so I think having that connection um, having those conversations, because sometimes what happens is when players come home, it's like a game of telephone. Uh, what was said, what was interpreted, what is said to the parent isn't exactly what occurred. And so reaching out to the coach in a way that is not um, accusatory, but reaching out to get some understanding and then working to find those solutions is, is a great way to help in the development of players. Um, it's a great way to connect with your coaches. It's a great way to understand what they're what they're working towards. Um, yeah, and I think just having that that those conversations are key. Um, just to piggyback off of Kira, because I had an experience. She says the game of telephone, and I want to share this with you because this was very real. And ever since this has happened, I've used this exact analogy on my parent meetings. So I took a team to Phoenix a couple months ago. And we had a game, I think it was at like two o'clock or three o'clock. And then right after the game, we went and had Jamba Juice and we had in our schedule had scheduled a little hike. The hike was originally a mile, one mile up, one mile down. But instead I looked at viewpoints and there was a one viewpoint that was 0.42 miles up the hike because I knew they had a hard game. The weather was warm. The kids went up. They hiked a 0.42 mile hike and we came back down and understand that some parents did this in flip-flops and some did it in skirts. So it was very mild hike. I came back from that trip and <laughs> I had heard from my other teams that A, right after the game, I had given the kids no food and we had gone on a four mile hike. So it went from 0.42 miles two, four mile hike. So when I came to practice, my players were like, I can't believe you took, you know, that team to a four mile hike right after a game. And I was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. 
park the bus, pump the brakes. I was just laughing. I was like, you guys are unbelievable. So I use that example with parents because I say to them, this is legit what happened. You guys were present. Some of you were in flip-flops. This is the message that your daughters relate to their teammates who then related back to me. And that's what happens when we're playing that game of telephone. So 0.42 miles into four miles. There's a massive discrepancy there. And that's what happens when sometimes we don't go to the source of people. So it's important for us to have discussions with uh, parents and probably sometimes with the child present. And it's important for the parent to recognize also that whatever their child said is skewed by their perception of how it probably felt. It probably felt like four miles to them, especially those that did never hike in the past. I've never hiked in the past. So recognizing that there's a discrepancy there and recognizing that there's more and it's important for us to go to the source of instead of skipping the rank of communication and escalating something that shouldn't have been escalated in the first place. Yeah, I think there's something when I was first teaching and it was like, all right, well, when a student tells you something from home, you know, you hear, you hear lots of stories, <laughs> lots of things. And of course, as a parent, as a teacher, there are situations where it's like, okay, I, this is something I need to um, look into more or even report if it is a form of abuse that we're mandated reporters. Um, but often that, that often is not the case. It's just kind of funny stories you hear or like, oh, but I, I, what I learned or what I was told was, well, you believe half of what you hear and I'll believe half of what I hear because the, the interpretation, like you said, Luz, is like a, such a great example. Like a less than half mile hike became over a four mile hike and that's insane, you know, but that's how gossip happens or, you know, these things sort of happen. So I think um, as a parent, like, you know, of course, listening to your child and, and their feelings because their feelings are valid because their feelings are what they're feeling. And however, you know, trying to understand how they interpreted something, what, you know, was said, how was it said, and then where your child was when they received that information mentally, you know, because which then could lead, hopefully, like Kira, you were talking about the discussions, because simply having these conversations is what's going to make coaches, parents, and players better, right? Because they're going to have a better understanding of like, oh, you know, so if the coaches have a better understanding of this is where, oh, that, you know, maybe that kid was in this space, you know, or, or well, if the parent can go, I, I'm a big proponent of being the advocate for your child and trying to have them advocate for themselves and you be that support rather than just going directly to them. But maybe it's, maybe your child is really nervous to go talk to the coach, totally understandable saying, would you like me to go? But having your child kind of try to help them express why that situation made them feel a certain way and just listen, you know, and then listen to what the coach says, because the coach may be like, oh, wow. Like I wasn't think I didn't, I'm so sorry. I came across that way. If that, you know, whatever it was that made you feel belittled, I was, I thought I was motivating you. You know, I thought you took that because you, because then you started running harder, but inside you were falling apart, you know, because that's that hidden stuff. But I think that that conversation right there would be so beautiful even if it doesn't come out perfectly, like just, it's another step in understanding the player, understanding the coach, and then the parent sort of just being there to, to help because then the parent, you know your child usually the best and you're able to maybe help the coach see that a little more or just, I, I, you know, help give them, give your player the support to, to, 
to express that so that the coach can understand them better and then ultimately be a better coach for your child. You know, um, we're not going to, they're not going to magically know. It's just like in any relationship, no one can read minds. So you have to be able to express yourself if something is, you know, great, if something is wrong, you know, you have to be able to do that so that the person who is coaching you, in this case, your soccer coach, um, can help navigate the different situations on the field, off the field. And I think that's the big thing is for the parents to remember that the coaches are also are humans. They're not just soccer coaches. They have other stuff happening outside of their lives. And there may be situations that you're unaware of because the coach doesn't want to come and say, Hey, you know, my best friend just, you know, got diagnosed with cancer or something like that could really affect the way the coach's ability, right. Especially their emotional, um, state or, or their emotional in because they're, they're so caught up in their world as they should be. So I think just remembering that too, and the parent, not just, not just making these knee, um, knee jerk reactions to when your child comes home and tells you something. I mean, I have three girls and sometimes they come home and tell me things about from school or I was so annoyed with so-and-so today because they got, you know, they made us do this. And, and then you listen to it and it's like, okay, well, that wasn't really, that was just kind of normal, but, but they, to my kids, it was very, you know, frustrating and upset. And I'm not taking away from their emotion. I'm listening to them and validating how they're feeling, but also trying to have the perspective of like, okay, let's see the, the big picture here and what's happening. Absolutely. I think, um, as a parent myself, I, um, my son is turning 12 in a month and this first year of middle school this year has been, um, really interesting because the school has really pushed for him to advocate for himself. If he has a question to email his own teachers. And I really like let him do that. And it was really hard as a parent to do that, to like put it in your kid's hands. And he failed a few different times at doing that. And that resulted in a bad grade on different things. And it's really hard to sit back and watch your kid fail when you don't want them to. And I think in today's day and age as a parent, I'm guilty of this and I see it as well. I see both sides. Um, we all have wonderful intentions to protect our children, but we also often are protecting them from the adversity that they need to have to grow. And if they don't uh, go through adversity, um, they're not going to gain the skills needed to overcome hardships as they as they grow into adults. And, you know, we're often um, expecting their lives to be perfect or happy all the time. And that's not real. And we are sometimes guilty of creating this notion that they shouldn't have to go through all these things when really it's going through those things, which is going to make them a better person and, and a more whole a player if we're talking sports. And so it's, it's a long-term vision for your kid that is not easy in an, in, in an instant gratification type of society. And so um, as, as a parent, I'm guilty of it too. I see it. But if you're a parent listening, like really trying to let your child advocate. And yes, as young as 11 and 12, um, when we do these parent sessions, we see that um, you know, parents are still advocating at 16 and 17 years old for their children. And then that you're throwing them into a college 
uh, situation the following year where they're not, if they are feeling emotionally abused, they now don't have a skill set to be able to communicate that to anybody on the athletic department staff. And um, that's doing a, a disservice, you know? So when it comes to emotional abuse, it's, it's not necessarily letting, sitting by and letting them be emotionally abused, but it's having conversations with them, giving them language, role-playing with them and helping them have hard conversations and letting them know that this is, it's not normal to be emotionally abused, but it is normal to be pushed. Um, it, it is normal to be yelled at sometimes. And that doesn't mean that it's okay, um, but it is common. I shouldn't say normal, but it is common. Even in a work environment, there are gonna be times where you're spoken to a way that you don't like to be spoken to. And that doesn't make it okay. Again, I'm not saying that any of this is okay. Emotional abuse is not okay. But I do think that um, we are gonna have instances where, where we are not spoken to the way we like to be spoken to in all aspects of life. And the more we can empower our children to handle that with language and be able to stand up for themselves, the better off they're gonna be. And if we're always telling them that, um, you know, I'll handle it for you, I'll take care of this, then we're not, we're doing them a disservice as parents. So um, I guess lastly, the, the player side of this, um, you know, we hear from players often that they're scared to talk about it. They're scared because they feel like they're gonna be punished. They're scared because they're gonna get cut or they're gonna be dropped down a team or they're going to, it's gonna affect their ability to get recruited. Um, what are your guys' thoughts on the player side of this? So putting yourself into those shoes as a player, maybe, what are your thoughts there? Yeah, it can be very challenging if you're, you know, trying to get playing time or keep playing time and all those things you listed of, of the fear. Um, I think as a player, if you, if you are, if you're experiencing something that you feel like you need to or that you know this needs to be brought up to the coach or or to a parent. I think um, trying to establish someone, maybe it's your parent if it's a coach thing, or maybe it's the coach if it's a parent thing. But that might be a little bit of a tricky dynamic. But someone who can be that um, just uh, support, not not going in to fix everything for you, but the person who can help you figure out how and, um, and, and help you figure out maybe why you're feeling the way you are um, and process that and then what the steps are that you would want to take. Um, I know for me, I always felt better when I had like sort of had a plan in my head, like, and, and I even would write things down. You know, I would have a little three by five card. These are the things I want to make sure I say, because inevitably you get into that situation, you're going to be nervous talking, you're going to forget. And then maybe they start talking and then you're like, oh, okay. And you kind of forgot all about the things you really wanted to address um, or the thing you wanted to address. So I think it's important when you do go to speak to um, a coach about the behavior that you, that you do have. I, I also think you shouldn't go alone um, because I think there should be someone to hear what's happening. Because if you're just communicating, look, when you're doing this, it's, that's making me feel this way. And the coach says something to you that then makes it even worse. You, you need to have someone there to, to see that and hear that, to be able to help you then navigate the next step, because 
not every situation is going to be this, oh, I had this great conversation with my coach. We talked out our feelings and now on we go. Like there's definitely a lot of situations where the coach is just going to be like, whatever, or, you know, just, or, or even escalate the situation. So I think it's really important to have someone with you. It could even be a teammate. Um, if you have a, someone who's a close teammate, um, but it, it is tricky. I also think, you know, uh, just to put us out there, like female footballers is a great resource for people to talk to who, who understand how challenging that could be to do that. and could certainly help try to coach you through that process. Um, again, it's never easy, but it's the same thing of trying to go talk to your boss, you know, in the real world about an issue. Um, it can be very, very intimidating and super scary. Um, and so there are strategies to try to help ourselves when we get into that position. The hardest thing about the youth, and we even see this up in the professional level, which they're starting now to have more of an um, HR department for the players, but we don't, you know, the kids don't have that in the youth world. So it's not like you can go talk to an HR department. So that would be the, like, the first step in the real world, but we don't have that. So you kind of have to figure out how to build that yourself, which can be scary. So that's why reach out and get um, resources who can help you do that stuff. Yeah, absolutely. Um, the HR department thing, I think at the college level, athletic department should be there for you. Um, there should be somebody you can go to that's not your coach that you can discuss this with um, at the youth level. Um, I don't know about you guys, but I'm, I'm a writer. I, I'm better sometimes articulating myself in writing. So really having that self-awareness piece of like, if I don't feel comfortable going up to somebody face-to-face -face and having that conversation, how can I um, you know, be able to communicate this in an effective way? For me, it might be writing. So maybe that's an email and maybe on email, I CC uh, a, a board member or the director of coaching, or you ask for the director to come and do a face-to-face -face with your parent and do a full meeting because as a player, it's, it's everyone's job. They're, they're there for you. You need a team of people to help you. Your parent is on your team. Your coach should be on your team. The director should be on your team. Board members should be on your team. They're all there for the best interest of you. And so making sure that you, part of advocating yourself is knowing who's in your corner. And sometimes it's not gonna feel like they're in your corner, but the more that you can involve others, um, the better that you feel like a larger team for you is gonna help you. Um, and again, like Rachel said, that's what we do here at Female Footballers. Like we are your HR department. We are here for these reasons. We are an outside source on purpose. We are club neutral because we are, we see all sides of this and we're here to help you. Um, and so please use us, that's, that's why we're here. Anything to add, Lou? No. Um, well, Sorry, Cassie, I took a second for me to press on the thing. No, I think, I mean, I think you guys nailed it on, on the head, right? Like using as a resources and, and just kind of like, I, I mean, my advice to all of you would just be to continue being curious about these things and, and really do your research to figure out where we can grow at the end of the day. We mentioned like earlier, I think it was Rachel that mentioned like growth happens somewhere along those lines, but she mentioned that growth happens outside of our comfort zone. So really pressing into spaces where we as individuals can kind of come together and grow, I think would be super healthy for all of us. Absolutely. So I think to wrap up this episode, it's it's a heavy one. There's a lot to unpack. Again, we're not here to give you our 
advice. We're not experts on this, but we just definitely just want to start having conversations around things that are happening within the sport that people are afraid to talk about. And we're not afraid to talk about this. We're not going to get it right every time, but we are going to hear, we are trying to see it from all sides, provide um, opportunity to to listen and we're here for you if you need to reach out if you feel that you've been emotionally abused and you don't have anyone to talk to about it please know we're here for you send us an email we're happy to um help in any way that we can um you know i do think there's going just like in any aspect there's going to be uh like i think you said rachel in the beginning there's uh, there's a scale, or maybe Haley said that there's a scale of this where there's really severe emotional abuse. There's things that people are going to question whether or not it is emotional abuse. It's definitely a spectrum in a way. And um, this is why it's really hard to define. Uh, but the more that we can communicate about it, talk about it, and it helps normalize that this is an issue, uh, that it's not going away, that there needs to be more education and language around it and discussion about it. It needs to be a part of every level of the sport where, where there are uh, resources and avenues to discuss it. So um, if you're a DOC listening, we hope that you have implemented aspects of the mental side when it comes to this emotional, social emotional side within your club. If you haven't and you're looking for abilities to implement resources and ways to, to help your philosophy and your your club, that's what we're here for as well. We give, you know, we work with everybody from players, parents, to coaches, and, and we're here to help. So we hope that you uh, reach out if you need it. And again, thank you so much for listening. We truly appreciate it. Um, this is most likely the end of our season for, for now. We'll be back with a season three coming soon, but we just wanna say thanks so much for listening. Share it and, uh, and, and discuss it in your circles and let us know what you think. Thank you so much, and we will talk to you all soon. Bye. Bye.